Oh, ask me. <laughs> old school, baby. Big time Tommy. Big time Tommy. So I showed my sister. I showed my sister uh, a video. I was like, "Lud, have you ever heard of Big Time Tommy?" She's like, "Please don't show me a stupid video." And I was like, "Let me show you real one real quick." And it was him, of course, you know, smoking a cigar on his, on his front lawn. He's like, "With DJ Dice." I don't know. I don't know. It was like, yeah, this is Tommy from "Oh, he got it." So this is a, this is a new that's a new that's a new Tommy that I've never seen before. But he's mostly known for he's mostly known for uh, smoking a, a, a cigar at his front lawn. There you go. And he plays like freestyle music and gives you and he tells you about keeping it old school, keeping it OS. There it is. No, see, this is the rabbit hole we cannot go down. Turn this shit off. I, I know, I know, it's fucking bad. No, All right. no self control. No, I really, it's bad. It's really bad. Bad. All right. Okay, so. so... And these are my knights of the round table. Whose castle is this? This is the castle of my master, Guidelwamba. Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest. If he will give us food and shelter for the night, he can join us in our quest for the Holy Grail. Well, I like him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see. What? He says they've already got one. Are you sure he's got one? Oh, yes, it's very nice, sir. I told him we already got one. <laughs> well, um, can we come up and have a look? Of course not. You are English type, sir. Well, what are you, then? I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? What are you doing in England? Mind your own business. If you will not show us the grail, we shall take your castle by force. You don't frighten us, English pig dogs. Go 
and boil your bottom, sons of a silly person. Ah, blow my nose at you, so-called Arthur King. You and all your silly English niggas. What a strange person. Now look here, my good man. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away, or I shall taunt you a second time. Puma, alongside Matt, we are Chenless in this episode. Chen's is, the big mama Luke is on his way to Ireland for a wedding. I feel like that kid goes to more weddings than, than I can imagine. Uh, Matt, what's going on? Nothing much. Funny you mentioned weddings. I just finished wedding season myself, so uh, it's a bittersweet ending. It's, you, you can party your face off, and then you kind of wake up the next morning thinking, I'm too old for this, so. Yeah, it was it was I, a good while it lasted, but I'm I'm glad uh, we can move on to to the football meet of football season now. Yeah, for sure. So this is episode 22. It's me and Matt. Like I said, Chen's is in the air somewhere as we speak. Um, I got two weddings next month back to back. I got one Friday night, and then I got one the next day. Ooh, thoughts and prayers already. Pre that's a pre thoughts and prayers right there for you. Yeah. So. You know, if I disappear for a weekend, you know why. Yeah. Um, so let's get right into the thick of it. So week one is done and over with. Uh, we saw some good football. We saw, saw some sloppy football. Uh, some good teams started out flat and came back. Um, hint, hint, the New Orleans Saints. Um, I, I want the Denver Broncos to go take a long walk off a short pier because they cost me my fantasy week. Uh, and let a team like the Oakland Raiders throw the ball all over them. Um, I couldn't figure out, Matt, if it was the Oakland Raiders that were playing or the 2002 Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because that offense looked very reminiscent. David Carr was taking a lot of two-step drops, a lot of quick passes, getting the ball out quick, not letting that Bronco rush get to him. He wasn't sacked at all in the course of the game, which is unheard of with a guy like Von Miller on the other side of the ball. But that wasn't even the best game of the night. The best game of the night was the Saints coming back with 36 seconds to kick that field goal. Yeah, it was a great Monday night. I love that first Monday night where you get the early game as soon as I got home, threw it right on, and did not disappoint at all. I mean, if that's how the NFL is going to be this year, we're in for a treat because that was action-packed, back and forth. The Saints kind of came out flat in that first half, and, and the Texans really took it to them. Uh, that revamped roster that they got, you know, they traded for Tunsil. They got Duke Johnson there now. They got Carlos Hyde, who's running really well. And you had Deshaun Stevens doing his own thing. Uh, Deshaun Stevens. Deshaun Watson, excuse me. And uh, it would look like it was going to be another early season letdown for the Saints, similar to what they did last year when they dropped that horrible game against Fitzpatrick and the Bucks. But credit to Drew Brees. He got his team right back on the second half and early touchdown. 
and uh, did his thing when when it all looked lost after Watson got that nice uh, touchdown pass to Stills with 36 seconds left. And uh, I know we talked about earlier, but Breeze, when he gets that time in a timeout, he can do a lot of things. He's he's a, a very good quarterback, a future Hall of Famer. And when he's in that dome, he makes things happen. Yeah, I mean, that dome is def- has been a home field advantage for years for the Saints. And, you know, but the thing is, is that with the Saints is that, and you saw it with a lot of teams that are expected to do really well this year. And, you know, the Saints aren't the only team that came out flat in the beginning and then turned it on at the end. You know, that's that patch of Sunday games. And I don't know if it's if it's because people don't take the preseason as seriously as they should, but there was a lot of sloppy tackling. There was a lot of sloppy offensive play. A lot of teams looked off in the first half and then were able to put it together. I mean, outside of the Saints, I mean, the Buffalo Bills were hey. being shut out. Then all of a sudden came back and beat the Jets. I mean, I know you're a Jets fan, but I'm not even taking a shot. I'm just <laughs> looking at – listen, I can't talk. The Giant game was over after the first quarter. But yeah. the, the, my point is is that teams looked sloppy. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things – and you've seen a lot of that in the past few years with the NFL. And, you know, there have been some changes with the CBA where they don't practice as much in pads anymore. Um, they're not having full team practices. Uh, superstars aren't playing in the preseason and getting their reps. So, like, this is, like, it's really hard to tell what a team is going to be and what a player is going to be after week one. Yeah, I think also, I, I was going to say this this preseason, definitely more than others, I noticed that the players weren't playing the typical first game, a couple of drives, a drive or two, second game, a little bit more. The third game was when the starters played the most. And then the fourth game, they played maybe a driver didn't play at all. And for this this year, like you mentioned, a lot of the stars, even regular offenses and defenses, weren't getting the reps at all. And look at Le'Veon Bell. He's probably the exception to this rule because he didn't get any reps in the preseason and still looked really good. But that's definitely playing a huge part. And I think a lot of the, the players and teams would agree that they need that time to, to get going. But at the same time, how many injuries do you see happen in the preseason in a meaningless game and then they're out for the year? Julian Edelman a couple of years ago comes to mind with towards ACL. It's just – it's kind of a, a double-edged sword going forward. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. But, you know, when with the with injuries, like with Julian Edelman and some of these injuries and you want to protect your stars, you can get injured walking down the street. Of course. So, yeah. you know, or, or, or in practice. I mean, look at A.J. Green. A.J. Green is going to mm-hmm. be out for – you know, till they're saying week eight, he's going to be out with a high ankle sprain. And, you know, it really, like you said, it's a double-edged sword. And mm-hmm. do you play or do you not play? But, you know, with the NFL is you need that competition and that level of play to be at its highest at all times. You know, these fans are, are insane. I mean, going back to this Monday night game against the Saints, I think 75% of the fans in the Dome were wearing referee uniforms. That was they, awesome. That was crazy. They're still not over what happened last year. And I don't blame them. I would be just as pissed, too. And they almost got screwed again this year, too. They almost got screwed again with the call. But it was a very suspect rough in the kicker call on that extra point. You know, what's funny is, you know, I I was at the bowling alley. Uh, Bowling started. So I was at the bowling alley watching the game in the bowling alley. And I nudged my my teammate. And I was like, he's going to miss this field goal. Watch. And... 
when he missed the field goal, all of a sudden the act, the, the kicker finally decided to put on a, a very good acting display. Mm-hmm. And he gets the call, he kicks the field goal, you know, but if but but I'm not even talking about that play. I'm talking about the play at the end of the first half when they had to take ten seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these it, it's there's a lot of situations where you want referees away from the outcome as far as possible. And the last two games that the Saints have played, the NFC Championship game and, and last week, you've seen refs getting in the way and refs, you know, kind of almost predicting the outcome. You know, right. they, they didn't. You know, the Saints ended up come, driving with 36 seconds and, um, you know, kicking the field goal and winning the game. But, you know, you don't want a referee deciding a game, especially in the first week in the first week of a season when all this stuff happened at, at, at the end of last year, especially with the Saints. Exactly, of all teams. Of course, they go on the, the primetime stage with the, the whole country watching them, and then they put on that spectacle, and of course the referees had to usurp them and, and be the center of attention yet again. Yeah, and, you know, you don't want that. And, you know, there's a lot of situations where there are times where there should be a call and there isn't, and then there's a call when there shouldn't be. That's sports. Right. That's what happens. But that's not the the worst thing that happened this week. The worst thing that happened this week was that the Dolphins got blown out. And two hours after the game ended, I get a notification on my phone. You might have got the same notification that players on the Dolphins are calling their agents and telling them to get them out of that hellhole. Mm-hmm. It's a tough spot. I mean, I see what the players are upset about, but you're on the team, right? You're getting salary. You're guaranteed or not. You're one of the 53 guys that are on a team. If you're, if you don't think you can play well, then what makes you think that you're going to be playing on another team? Well, for a and B, we are, everybody knew the dolphins were going to be a lottery team or fighting for that first pick going into the season. Right. They don't have a, they they have Rosen, but they don't have a true, they don't know what he's going to be yet. And you know, they're rebuilding. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on a rebuilding team, blowout losses are going to happen like that. And I know for a fact that everybody in fantasy football is going after every Raven that's available. And when the Ravens go and play, I don't know who they're playing this week, when they have that letdown, when mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, doesn't put up 45 points again, you know, people are going to say, well, it's because he's playing, they're playing the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins are a team this year that you want their de- the defense that's playing against them. Yeah, well, it's the Patriots this week. I don't know if you saw the line, but the Patriots up as 19-point favorites on the road. That's a game game you actually take Miami. Yeah. Well, they beat them last year in Miami. Remember that miracle, the the Gronk missed tackle on the the last play there. And and for some reason, Miami in Miami versus the Patriots is always a tricky, tricky game for the Patriots. So don't be surprised if you see some some, uh, close game there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, I'm starting Brady anyway. Oh, of course. Uh, you got I have Brady on my team. I'm starting Brady. But because Brady now that's, you know, like talking about the Patriots, the Patriots looked dominant against a, a, a Steelers team that's planning to contend this year. Mm-hmm. And they completely ran him out of the building. Yeah, it was Without, it was not even close. Tomlin kicking the field goal when they still needed, you know, points on the board. It actually, I don't know if you saw it, the prediction for the Patriots to win went up after they kicked the field goal rather than going for a fourth and one. You what know, are you doing there, Tomlin? 
you got to, you you know, when you're down, I forgot, they were down, what, 24 nothing at that point? You know, you got to, you got to, what do you got to lose? You're already down 24. Exactly. Yeah. You need, you need seven. You went from having three touchdowns to still needing three touchdowns. So what what did you do? Exactly. And, you know, it's, it just shows you how dominant they are without AB being in the lineup, without Gronk. And if you saw on Barstool, Gronk named his terms for him to come back. Oh, it was so I just listened to that interview today. It was hilarious. Hilarious. You know, what terms. do you think of his what do you think of his ski mask sunglasses that he's been sporting lately? I, I have a pair of my own. Uh, they're oh. not the same kind, but I love those sunglasses. I, as soon oh. as I saw I saw them online, I had to buy them. Amazing. Oh. Greatest purchase. They they look so much they look Gronk just makes them. Oh, I, I can't I can't I can't come up with the Gronk look, but they are they are dope to have, especially when you have a nice darty going on outside or some outdoor activity. You need them for a hundred percent. And yeah. you know, Gronk said ten million dollars. He's mm-hmm. wearing number sixty nine, and he's gonna come back with like four or five games to go. Yeah, and but he has to be a tackle, so that every time they have to announce him as an eligible player, they have to say sixty nine over the loudspeaker. Now we all know Gronk. We all know this is a joke, and but it's just funny because. Gronk has just spoken the fire of a comeback. And, you know, if you had to put a gun to my head, I think he comes back. I do too. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be like a – if he, I could see him not playing this year. Um, I can see him pulling a Jason Witten. I think he can, he'll come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's all said and done, he's not done. There's no way he's not done. I think he, he was too broken down, too many injuries between the elbow, his knees, his back. You know, he needed he needed a year off. And you know what? He's living his life. He's slimmed down tremendously. He's not the big house that he used to be. You know, he's definitely a little smaller. But mm-hmm. I think he's healthier. And he's going to be healthier. Right. Mentally, too. Uh, I don't know if you saw there was – he did uh, – he's been doing some CBD product that he's promoting. And I think it was at one of those uh, events. And he was promoting and he, and he was getting really emotional about the fact that his body was just not right and he wasn't enjoying football anymore. And it really took a toll on him mentally and you could see it coming out of, of how he spoke about it. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, it's, it's very, it's very compares to what happened with luck. Luck Luck said the same exact thing. You know, Mm -hmm. people love football. People love going to football on Sunday, watching football on Sunday, cheering on their team and going absolutely crazy, but they lose sight of the fact that this game no matter what the NFL says, I can give a crap what they say. It's one of the mo- it's the vi- most violent sport that we play here in this country. Hundred percent. And the mental toll it takes of constantly in rehab, constantly on painkillers, constantly getting your body ready for sixty minutes of pounding takes a toll on you physically and mentally. And nobody talks about the mental part of the game and what it takes to be a football player. And that's why you see the shelf life of these players going down and down and people retiring in their early 30s rather than hanging around to their into the late 30s like players used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of situations. You have a lot of NFL Hall of Famers who are dead at a young age, like Junior Seau. Right. Because of the mental toll the game had on them. And, you know, people are aren't happy with when Gronk walked away, when Marshawn Lynch walked away, when Luck walked away. You know, if anything, it helps the person better 
than pleasing their fans. And you need to be a little selfish sometimes when it comes to that. Oh, 100 percent. It's it's your body. I people understand that they're entertainers. I mean, at the end of the day, any sport is entertainment for the, for the fans. But when the talent is not there mentally, the talent's not there at all. You can't exactly. you can't you can't put on a facade and a happy face and try and think that you're going to be able to produce at the same level as if you're 100 percent there. It's never going to happen. You see all these times these players that it's hush hush, nothing ever happens, but you they have problems at home. There's some issues with their family or whatever else is going on that you don't see about because you're just there, for example, in football, working your ass off Monday to Friday, and you just want to see your team play on Sundays, and you want that release of all the stresses and worries. Meanwhile, they got those same things that you're dealing with on a regular basis, but they're getting paid millions of dollars, and people can't put themselves in, in athlete shoes for good reason because they don't think that they're of that same capability athletic-wise, but they're human too. They have the same issues and problems and things that they got to deal with that any other human has to deal with. Exactly. And, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I can't talk from experience, but as a teacher, you know, everybody, people who don't teach will say, why do you need the eight weeks off in the summer? The mental grind of a school year, you need those two weeks off just to mentally recover for next year. Mm -hmm. And that for these NFL players like Gronk, like Andrew Luck, like, you know, these players that are retiring young and early are you take that mental toll from a te- from like a te- as me and Chen's as teachers and multiply it by a thousand. And that's what you get for an NFL player mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not it's, just the, it's the stress to it. It's also that impact, too, on your head uh, that can't you know, help anything at all. You know, like the, the best thing, in my opinion, the best thing the NFL can do is say, listen, we are violent. They, they're not going to admit it and they should, is we are a violent sport. We are a sport that does take a toll on your body, and that's just the game. That's the, that's the game. That is what it is. There was a player um, in Oakland that got hit by his own guy and had to be taken off on a stretcher because of a neck injury, and it was just a, an innocent football play. Two bodies came together, and the, the weight of somebody's body landed on somebody's head. That how are you going to eliminate eliminate that with all these rule changes? You can't. Mm-hmm. You know there are certain plays that happen in football that are dangerous, no matter what rules you put into place. And don't get me wrong, I love watching football, and I love the violence of football. But you know, I understand when a player walks away. I understand when a player says, "Mentally, I'm not there anymore." You know, it it, it it's for the fan for the fan who doesn't see the big picture it's tough for them to ex- accept that fact of the game. Plain and simple. Right. And I, th- I think the average fan is okay with it. It's just those small idiot fans that that vocalize the loudest on, on going against what a player does or what's best for them. And it, and it kind of paints a, a picture of these fans are just ignorant and don't really know what they're saying. But, you know, they're not the – for in my opinion, I don't think that's what the majority of the fans feel. No, 100%. And, you know, I think that, like you said, there are a small majority of fans, and but the problem is that small majority of fans are the voice. They're the ones going on social media bashing these players. They're the ones complaining. They're the ones going and calling the radio shows because they got nothing fucking better else to do with their time. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you are, are, are huge sports fans. That's why we have this podcast. We're huge sports fans. Chen's too. You know, Chen's might not know as much as we do, 
but <laughs> credit to but, us. You know, credit to us. Credit to us. You know, me and you are the drivers of this show. But <laughs> sorry, Shens. But you know, as as fans, we have other things going on in life that you know. It's the sports is not end all be all to the point where it's like, okay, well, this person not playing anymore is going to ruin my day or ruin right. my month. You know, like as a Yankee fan, I've been dealing with injuries since March. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All too well. You know, you know, and everybody's starting to come back a little bit. And, you know, there's, you know, Hicks, I don't want to, we're not changing our subjects here, but you know, there's injuries that happen and people retire. It's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, do people expect Derek G to play till he's 50 because they wanted him to? Yes. Me. You know, <laughs> uh, well, of course, you know what I'm saying? Just the same as a rational fan I am, but not when it comes to Jeter. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I still wear my Jeter shirt and my Jeter hat, but I, you right. know what? But when he retired, he was just showing himself. Of but, course, yeah. So, keeping with the whole football thing and keeping with the week one of the NFL – you know, it's hard to, to gauge what these teams really are in week one because of the sloppy play, because of the fact that these receivers and these quarterbacks and these defenses are still understanding and learning the scheme of their new teams that they're on. So mm-hmm. with with that, what is what was your biggest surprise of week one? The biggest surprise for me would probably be how – good the Ravens look. Granted, it was the Dolphins, but credit to Lamar Jackson. Criticized all last year, that even before last year in the draft process, he's not a quarterback, he should be a running back or tight end or, or something else where the ball's in his hand more than in, in a position to move up into the field rather than quarterback. And what does he go out and do? He throws five touchdown passes, looks phenomenal. Like I said, I'll preface it again, it is the Dolphins. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, but he looked really good, and if he can keep that up and and produce to a similar level, the Ravens are going to be, I think, the team to beat in the North because my other surprise, disappointment, would be all the hoopla for the Browns. And what happens? You get your doors blown out at home to the Tennessee Titans by 30. It's a terrible look for a team that was supposed to change the, the whole rhetoric about, oh, the Browns are – just the Browns. This is this is gonna be the year for the Browns. They're gonna make the playoffs. They got all this talent now. They're gonna go OBJ. Same old Browns. It looks like. But again, we can't overreact. It is only week one. We have a juicy matchup Monday night. Browns versus my New York Jets. Um, should be great. Hopefully the Jets actually play offense. Not hope that the defense score touchdowns and, and put the defense them in good position to get another one. But. It should be a great game, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the teams bounce back from two pretty bad losses with the Browns against the Titans and the Jets versus the Bills. Well, one thing I want to jump on that you said about the the Ravens is that Lamar Jackson was looked at as a runner. He He wasn't looked at as a guy who could throw the football, and he proved that last year. He was a runner. He didn't throw a lot of touchdown passes. He was, you know, quick to get out of the pocket, and he wasn't one to, you know, sit in the pocket and wait for a play to develop. He only rushed for three. He only rushed three times for six yards. Mm -hmm. So it shows you that he is dedicated to becoming a better passer. And like you said, and I'm going to say the same thing too. It was the dolphins, but you know what, when he's got an an 85% completion 
uh, completion percentage. Let's see if this translates to week two. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, whoever they're playing, you know, we're not Ravens fans, so we're not all excited about who they're playing next. They got the Cardinals at Cardinals at home. Well, they got the card. Okay, they got the home opener, Cardinals at home. A better defense, right? You know, yeah, they gave up twenty-seven points to the Lions, and that was an interesting game too. We didn't even touch that game that ended in a tie. Right. But um, let's see if he could be just as efficient in the in the passing game against a better defense, against a better team. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, before we all get excited and everybody's upset they didn't start in the fantasy. Exactly. So, you know, my biggest surprise was that the fact, well, there wasn't anything to me that stuck out big time, big time. But one of the biggest things that, that I think that is a surprise around the league and I'm going to say it again, is the fact that people are expecting these players to be sharp. And the sloppiness, I can live without. You know, there were so many penalties this week, a lot of big plays getting called back, a lot of defensive holding, offensive holding, uh, a lot of ticky-tacky plays. And my surprise is that people are upset about the about the play. And I think that mm-hmm. it's only week one. Right. A lot of guys like Aaron Rodgers, even Saquon Barkley, um, just to name a few, didn't play in the preseason. This was their preseason game. So before anybody starts jumping on bandwagons and betting $4,000 that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, which did happen, <laughs> um, let's see what happens with week two. Right. Um, they're coming out hot with a good good matchup on Thursday night um, with the Buccaneers and the Panthers and the Panthers. So we'll see if the football gets better as they keep playing because a lot of players are still in preseason mode. Right. Um, my biggest disappointment, and I'm not going to jump on the the Browns disappointment bandwagon because I'm not surprised about that. Because and here's why: with the Browns, it's all even though they have it's all new talent, right? They're still building chemistry, and there were a lot of throws when I was watching that game. There was a lot of throws that Mayfield tried to make to get these guys the ball. Mm-hmm. He needs to not worry about getting people targets and just spread the ball out because he's got so many weapons between Beckham, Landry, and Ajoku that those their targets will come because somebody's going to be open because they can't people can't they can't cover all three of them. Right. They got and, they got really good arsenal of weapons to use. It's just a matter of getting them on the same page, like you said, and gelling. And if it takes one, two, three games, they got to be patient. Yeah, I mean, and not for nothing, the Browns haven't won a home uh, a season opening game in 15 years. So mm-hmm. with that, you know, I, I'm going to take what the Browns did with a grain of salt. Mayfield looked terrible. He looked horrible. But mm-hmm. like you, like I just said, it's week one. Right. Now, my biggest disappointment is the fact that the NFL still allows games in, to end in ties. Um, <laughs> Kedon McNabb. And you know that Lion Cardinal game was an epic game that shouldn't have ended in a tie. You know, I don't understand why the NFL decided to cut the overtime from a full 15-minute period to a 10-minute period because the team that possess, possesses the ball first will take the take their possession for six minutes. And the, only, the, the other team is only possessing the ball for four minutes, and they're already in a four-minute drive. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they get the ball and they don't score. 
And I think the NFL really needs to look into that because I don't see any other sport other than soccer ending in ties. The NHL instituted the shootout after the lockout. The MLB will keep playing until there's a winner. You know, either go back to the full sudden death where first scorer wins, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, or you keep playing until there's a winner. And you know what? It'll better their product because there's their fans are in the stadium longer. They're selling more concessions and it makes the game more exciting. And now you have two teams that are 0-0-1. What's the fun in that? Kyler Murray, who looked terrible in the first half and finally decided to turn it on in the second half and actually looked better and got better. The game ended in a tie. Like, yeah. Well, it, with, it also credits up to Murray for turning around the fourth quarter because um, what's his name? The coach for the Cardinals, including um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, mentioned that he had a terrible game plan. He blamed it himself, which it's good for a coach to see, especially with a rookie quarterback. And you could see adjustments that they had made in, in the fourth quarter really showed how the potential that he has to, to be a good quarterback in this league and the reason why they took him number one overall. And not just just going to say, Larry Fitzgerald still has it. He does. I'm just calling that out right now. I got a lot of shit from Chens who gave me shit for drafting Larry Fitzgerald where I did, and he's still a number one receiver. Uh, yeah, and, what, eight catches, like a buck 30 and a touchdown? Yeah. Something like that. So, you know what? Chens can take a long walk off a short pier when it comes to fantasy football. I don't <laughs> care how many championships he won. Okay. I have championships, too, in that league, and I know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and I could say it now because he can't defend himself. But no, yeah, but well, yeah. he he was coming in hot with that that Fitz pick, and it was a classic mix-up of Fitzgerald and Fitzpatrick. But you know, credit to you for for drafting uh, Fitzgerald. I, I always uh, I don't I don't think I've ever gotten him in fantasy, and I'm always pissed because I always want to draft him in a round, and he always seems to be taken right before I'm ready to take him. But he is a, he's a good player. He's a great guy too. I mean, stand-up guy does so much for the community, and he's uh, he's definitely a future Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, 100%. And, you know, he did it. He's done it with one team. Mm-hmm. He Something you said about that in, in, in the NFL, especially. Exactly. Now, and, and not even in the NFL. And nowadays in general. Right. You know, you don't see those players that stay with a team for the for their entire career anymore. Uh, they're always looking for more money. They're always looking for the team that'll pay them more money. Um, but it's it's predicated on the fact that Fitzgerald is – I think he was a ball boy for them growing up. He got drafted by them, went to a Super Bowl with them, been through the bad seasons with them. Like, what else can you ask for? He's a true leader, and he still has something left in the tank. And you know what? I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that the Cardinals, if Kyler Murray can play close to what he did in the fourth quarter, they'll be a competitive team for the entire year. Definitely. You know, 100%. you know, I mean, do do they beat a team like the Seahawks in Seattle? I don't think so, but they'll be in the game. Yeah. And they're going in the right direction. Also, um, I just realized, too, I, I didn't know until I was watching the game, that the Lions-Cardinals game, Terrell Suggs is now a uh, Cardinal. I and, didn't know that either. Yeah, and lo and behold, he's at the homecoming this week in Baltimore. Well... You know what you know what it is, and I'll put Terrell Suggs in the same category as like a Brett Favre. You know, you're going to remember Brett Favre as a a Packer. You're not going to remember him as a Jet. You're not going to remember him 
as a Viking, even mm-hmm. though he took he he came out on fire. He was he was a game away from making taking the Jets to the playoffs in his one year there, and he made that pass in overtime against the Saints when he should have just threw the ball out of bounds and kicked the field goal. Right. But you know, you remember these old these superstars that spent all this time with one team with that one team they were with. Like Terrell Suggs, I'm going to remember as a Raven. I'm not going to remember him as a Cardinal. You know, he might play one year with the Cardinals and retire. Going to have ball so hard university. Yeah. And he's going to retire as a, he's going to sign a one-day contract with the Ravens and retire as a Raven. Mm-hmm. You know, I have these, how many times have you seen that with players? They'll, they'll sign a one-day contract, make right. take their $100 that they make on the contract, and and retire with the team that they want to retire with. Exactly. But talking about team people changing teams like underwear, Antonio Brown is set to make his Patriots debut this week. He was at practice. Maybe, um, maybe but, not. But there's a maybe with that, and maybe, maybe not. So apparently now there's a new chapter to the Antonio Brown saga. He's been accused of rape. Now, I want to know what your take is on this because I do have a take on this whole Me Too movement and and people coming out and people alleging sexual assault on these famous people. Um, and Antonio Brown has evidence that this woman's out for the money. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what your take is before I give mine, just to see if we're on the same page. So well, what do you think about the whole situation that's going on? I think I'm not making any judgments until all the facts are presented because you had the facts or the, the allegations that the woman had versus Antonio Brown, then which were bad from what she, what was said. Then you had Antonio Brown's lawyer sending out a letter, a formal response denying everything and saying their side of the story. And then I don't know if you saw, but then there was the emails that they presented that, the woman had gotten from Antonio Brown and it was to be honest hard to read because I couldn't understand a word he was saying and these the way he was writing it was very tough to decipher but it does not look good all around it's if it's from Antonio Brown's part where he did commit this he should go to jail for sure he's a piece of shit and if this is the woman saying I want money I want to get you know extort him especially because he got all this money that she's a bitch for that too. It's, you know, it's, it's, I hope that there's something can come out of this, but there's really, there's no winner right now that's going to come out of this. And I'm holding my judgment on, on where I stand on it until all the facts are played out, the invention gets launched. And I've seen too many times where people rush to judgment and it hurts someone's character rather than waiting for the facts to play out. And, and a calm judgment can be made rather than a, a very knee jerk reaction. Well, that's a mature response. I'm going to take the immature response. <laughs> okay. Um, I think he's innocent. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, based on what I've seen, and I actually saw there was an, I forgot where I saw it. Somebody showed me a, a kind of a timeline of what was going on. And right. everything looked consensual from what mm-hmm. I saw. And they have emails and stuff from the woman saying, you know, I'm going to come out with these accusations if you don't pay me. Now, this woman was supposedly a trainer. Mm-hmm. She was his trainer, and she was seen around. There was a situation where Antonio Brown went to a strip club, and she tagged along. 
And then she went, instead of going home, she went to her, she went to the hotel room and she asked him to go back with her. So, you know, I think it's a money grab. Um, the reason why I have no belief in all these allegations nowadays is the fact that the person who founded this movement actually sexually assaulted somebody. So, you know, take it as it may, um, you know, I believe in the justice system as well. I believe innocent until proven guilty. I do not agree if the NFL puts them on the exempt list while they're investigating, because that goes against the whole innocent until proven guilty. I agree with that. A hundred percent. I think that he should play. I think Mm -hmm. that he should go on with his business. You know, there is no distinct evidence against him like a Kareem hunt, like a Ray rice. Right. Um, And it's just the timing of it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I believe that AB AB is a character in itself. You know, if you listen to if you listen to ESPN, there are a bunch of analysts coming out calling him selfish, calling him a me person. You know, he did this for himself, you know, getting out of getting out of um, getting out of Oakland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that the guy should be allowed to play. Yeah, he definitely should, because if he is suspended and it comes out that he didn't do anything wrong, well, you just took him away from the team for how many weeks while this is going on, right? I think in every case, it's the same thing as an appeal process for a suspension of a fight or whatever. You got to let them play because who knows how much you get might reduce or gone at all. So uh, I, I agree with you there that they definitely need to let him play while this all plays out itself, you know, behind the scenes. You know, and it's and and you know, just to, to piggyback on what everything that's being said right now is that the Patriots don't even need them. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I they have so many weapons already, and their defense is better than last year. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. Tom Brady, I need to have some. I, I need to put Tom Brady's having because that guy still looks like he's twenty eight. Yeah. But you know, with AB, it just makes them more dangerous. But you know what? For some reason, when everybody goes to the Patriots, they come out a different person. You know, mm-hmm. look at Randy Moss. Um, Randy Moss is probably the one of the biggest um, reasons to support that. He went into he went into the into New England without an issue and came out no problem. And he hasn't been in a scandal since. Knock on wood. I don't want to put in the malik on him. Right, but, right. You know, and they have another re- a project in Josh Gordon now. So, you know, AB, I personally think AB is in the right situation because he's with a no-nonsense no coach. Right. Even though Gruden, Gruden is also no-nonsense, but at the same time, I don't believe – if that, that, that thing never happened with Madoc, with a, with, between AB and Madoc, AB is still in Oakland. Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. I disagree with that. I think he played the cards to get himself out of there. So you say, so you think that the Patri- uh, the the Steelers traded him to Oakland. He didn't want to go to Oakland. They, he took the, but then why sign the contract? You gotta because then if I get traded there, I'm not going to sign a contract. Well, that's why would you demand a trade in the first place? You know, well he had no leverage either, right? He had no way. He had no. He had a, he had, didn't have any leverage in in the trade talks. They traded him to wherever he wanted to go. Well, he like, kind of like forced his way out of Buffalo when, when we broke that news that he was traded, but really wasn't because yeah. uh, originally they had, they said there was a trade agreed on. He's like, fuck that. I'm not playing for Buffalo. And Buffalo's like, Oh, we don't want to deal with this. Cancel the trade. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week about how 
there are team rules and you need to follow team rules and you're not above the game. Mm-hmm. And AB is a selfish player. There's no yeah. way around it. He, mm-hmm. It's about him. You know, he's very public. He likes to, he likes to air his dirty laundry online. You know, when he got the news that he got released, he, you know, he posted the video of him running around his backyard. Run like an asshole fucking backyard, like a dickhead. Saying that he's free and all this crap. Yeah, fuck off. Like, that pissed me off to no end. You, you, you know, basically pulled an NBA player. Like, everything that people say is wrong with the NBA of these super teams, you're doing that now. You're, you're the one that started creating that culture. You know, I don't personally agree with what he stands for and what, he's, what he has done. But I will defend him in the sense of what's going on against him. Right. Um, you know, everybody deserves to be put through an investigation to get to the bottom of everything. And, you know, even there's another rape accusation going on with Neymar. You know, it's all over sports. And I just can't trust these. I mean, I don't want to come out as a chauvinist, but, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I can't trust these women because right. these these situations are known to be money grabs and they turn out to be nothing almost 90% of the time. And yeah, it, are- it's, 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 it's definitely a, a tough line to toe. Um, and even when you said that Neymar won it, I, I think he's actually countersuing uh, because I think they found out that it was, it was a, just a money grab. You know, I mean, if you look through the history of sports in recent history, in our lifetimes, you know, Every sport has dealt with a domestic violence issue that wasn't true or a rape investigation that turned out not to be true that was dragged out. And the first person that comes to mind is Kobe Bryant. And, you know, that whole thing. I, for, I actually, honestly, you know, these, these players and these athletes think they're gods and they can do whatever they want and, not, and they're untouchable, which is not true. Like mm-hmm. we just said with the injuries, they are human. They are acceptable to the laws that we live under in this country. But at the same time, when, when you have money and power, people want to take that from you. And there's like you said, that's the line you tell. Do you want to, you know, sometimes when you see all these people with all this fame getting in all this unnecessary drama, it's like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm not famous. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. 100%. You know, you you could just live your life, enjoy your life and that's it. But now, if AB goes to New England and plays and this and his legal issues turn out to be nothing, is there a chance that the New England Patriots can go 19 and 0? Uh, it's so it's tough. I mean, look, they did it almost in 2007 before they ran to that t- tough Giants D. They did have some breaks from along the way. That Monday night game comes to mind against the, the Ravens when they made the comeback. I, I don't see it happening. I think there's going to be a slip up here or there. As good as they looked on one, on Sunday night, rather, I, I just can't see it. The, the NFL is too much of a, a parody of a league where you're not going to have just blowouts every game. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I loved if they would lose. I know it's a distinct possibility. They could go 19 0, but I just don't see them doing it. Well, you know, looking, and I'm, like I said, Anything I say about the Jets is not a shot. You're, you're, no, that's not, it's, it's, I, I'm ready to take whatever bullets you want to shoot at me. We're not talking about the Mets here. <laughs> the Mets, I talk a lot of shit about them, and I mean that shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually said to, to, to Chenz, and 
you know, the persona that I created on this podcast is, you know, I'm an angry old man who roots for his teams and that's it. Um, I don't care if the Jets do well or not. That doesn't bother me as much as if the Mets did well. You know, if the Nets, if the Nets do well, that doesn't bother me as a Knicks fan. You know, but what I'm trying to get at is that this division is very weak. Um, I could see them sweeping out the division easily. Mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, the Jets do play them well, especially they do. They, they do, they do play them well in Foxborough. But mm-hmm. I don't think that they have, they're strong enough offensively to keep up with the firepower of the Patriots. Um, there are two games on their schedule that are toss-ups for me, is they play Kansas City in Kansas City, and they play Philly in Philly. Those mm-hmm. two games, those two games are games I can see them having to battle and possibly losing those games. Um, I think they're the class of the AFC, though. Oh, 100 percent. I, I think you know as much as we predicted teams outside the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, at the showing, I think it is. It's very evident that the, the Patriots are the alpha of the AFC, and uh, as much as I hate it. Uh, I've come to terms with it. It's you hate to see it, but you know it's going to happen. You know, and on top of everything, you know, it's we in our predictions last week. None of us took the Patriots. Mm-hmm. None of us. You know, Chen's took the Ravens. I took the Chargers, and you took the Browns. No, no, you not know, the Browns. I took the Chiefs. You took the Chiefs. Okay, I'm sorry. You, Jeez, you, come you, on! Don't don't put me in that Browns bandwagon now. <laughs> You took you said you uh, so you said something about the Browns last week, but you know the the whole nuts and the whole crutz of the whole thing is that the Patriots defense is better than it was last year, and their offense now with AB, with Edelman and James White and even like Rex Burkhead, who had a major role in that game last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of offensive firepower. The offensive line is good. You know, it's going to be very, it's very hard not to see them going at least 14 and two, at least. Yeah, I, I, I see them as a 14 and two team. You know, like you said, going into Miami for the Patriots is a tough thing. You know, both they, I think they, they do play Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there are tough games that they have that they edge, they're, they're going to be, instead of being 19 point favorites, they're three point favorites. Right. You know, and they're going to have to play well. And, you know, Brady, like I said, Brady, Brady, father time hasn't caught up with Brady yet. Still waiting and, on that. You know, everybody's still waiting on that. But, you know, I was actually talking to one of my coworkers about this and we were actually, you're going to like this comparison. So we were talking about Brady and I brought up the point that if you put any quarterback with Belichick and with McDaniels, they're going to succeed. You had Hoyer, Castle, Bursett, and Garoppolo all step in for Brady when Brady went down with injuries and they performed. They went to other teams and they were shell of themselves as they were in New England. Jimmy G is still out to be seen, but Matt Castle wasn't any good. Bursett is still young, but he's not what he was in New England. Now the comparison Bursett had one game or whatever it was. He started. He started an entire season. Brissett, no. Yeah. Two oh, years last ago. Year, la- last year, no, not with the Patriots. No, 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 with the Colts. Right, right, right. Well, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. They went to another team, and he wasn't as good 
with the Colts as he was with the Patriots. Yeah, but that was what his sophomore year. I mean, I, I give the guy a break on that one. I, I want to okay. see what he does this year. But my point is, is I compared them to what hap- what happens with the goaltending of the Rangers, is that Antti Ranta and Cam Talbot when with the Rangers were lights out. Ranta goes to Arizona, you don't hear from him. Cam Talbot could ne- was was never the goaltender he was when he was with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. If you take a player out of a system that and a good coaching staff where they can excel, Ben Ben Waller is the Bill Belichick of goaltending coaches, and that's why Hank is Hank, and that's why Shostorkin is going to be an elite goaltender in the NHL, is because of the coaching that they get and the systems that they're put that are put in place, and the Patriots are still going to be good once Brady retires because of what's in place. Right. I I, I think uh, you're running into the question of is Tom Brady a system quarterback? Many people are asking, and it sounds like yourself too. You know, well, that's the thing is that we don't. Well, that, that, well, I agree with you. Okay. I'm agreeing with that. I'm agreeing with that because it because you don't know because Brady's never played for anybody else. I think the way that he keeps his body in shape, I think he'd be playing maybe not the same level, but he'd still be at a very high level anywhere else. I think he's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking that away from Brady at all. But what I'm saying is, would Brady be? Would Brady have six Super Bowls, let's say, if he was on, I don't know, if he was on on the New York Jets or if he was on... No, of course not. He would have been never made it out of the backup role. And whenever he came in for, for mop-up duty or spot starts, he'd just be shit because it's the Jets and we have terrible luck. Well, well, it's not even the luck. It's the coaching that's not there. You know, even Bill Belichick j- jetsoned the Jets. Yeah, before, don't remind me. Before, but... You get you get my point. Yeah, you know I think it's I think it's an arguable point, and I think that it comes down to the fact that everybody's waiting for Brady to walk away or retire. And I think Brady's going to play for another three years. I think he's going to play till he's forty five, but he's forty two now. But mm-hmm. I think that if you if once Brady retires and the and the heir apparent whoever it is steps into that role, they will still be a team that competes. They're not just going to roll over and walk away, especially the fact that Belichick's still going to be there. Uh, McDaniels is the heir apparent to Belichick, so he'll still be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's so excited and waiting for that day where Brady walks away, but that's not going to be the end of, New Eng- of the New England Patriots. I can tell you that right now. Mark my words. Yeah, the way that the roster is built and, and Bill Belichick, Acting as GM coach, it's it's never gonna change until he's he's out of the office. There, everybody need, everybody needs to count the days until Belichick walks away. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody should be looking at. When when is Belichick gonna hang it up and retire? It's not Brady. Can't be soon enough. You know, and I'm happy I'm not in that division. I'm happy that my team is the only team to beat them twice in the Super Bowl. I'm happy that the Giants are the only team that is his kryptonite. Uh, mm-hmm. Besides the Eagles, besides the Eagles, I'll give the Eagles that. I like them in the Super Bowl once. But but you know what it is, and every even if you're talking about the Patriots and their run, if you look at the defenses that they played in the Super Bowl, yeah, last year was a good was a good defense with the Rams, but they didn't have even they had the Dominican Sue, and you know I know Chance isn't here to defend his team, but that front seven was nothing like the Eagles 
of two years ago and was nothing like the NASCAR package of the Giants when they had Human Yura, Strahan, and, you know, Justin Tuck, and Kiwanuka, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, that defensive tackle that's with um, Minnesota now that they let walk away, Bennett. Um, you know, there, there's no team that, you know, you're, you're looking at a uh, St. Louis Rams team that was built on offense. You're looking at a Carolina Panthers team that didn't even know they were in the Super Bowl. Um, you're looking at a team in the Eagles with Donovan McNabb and T.O. who would rather fight with each other than play together. Um, right. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it just doesn't, you know, and they were a play away if, if the Seahawks run the ball with Lynch, they lose that game too. And that was a good defense. Yep. You know, but if you look at who they've beaten in the Super Bowl, you're not talking about teams that have elite defenses that can get to Brady. If you can get pressure on Brady, Brady is just like anybody else. Yeah, it, he doesn't like getting hit in the mouth like any other quarterback, and it shows when, when you have a good defensive front that can get to him and, and cause some havoc, like the Giants did, like the Broncos did when they won their Super Bowl, like the Jets did when they upset him in Foxborough that time. I think that was their last home loss in the playoffs. That, uh, that's the key to beating him. And as you were front. talking, as you were talking, that Jets defense came right into my head when Bart with Bart Scott. Can't you know, wait. He, he can't wait. But yep. you know, it, it's you know we're talking about the un, an undefeated season here with the Patriots, and that's you know something we don't that you don't get to talk about a lot. And it's interesting that you have you have a forty two year old quarterback, and it's still a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. And you're talking about adding a superstar receiver, baggage or not. He's still going to show up on Sunday. He still plays hard football. Antonio Brown still plays hard football. He runs hard routes. He's a physical receiver. Yep. And you know what? I, I hate to say it, but I think number seven is coming. You know, I hope you're wrong. I, don't, I hope you're wrong. I, but this, I'm looking at the NFC and what team can compete with them in the NFC. Saints offensively, but can they keep them off the scoreboard for the offense to be on the field? Potentially, I think uh, the defensive front was. I mean, Davenport couldn't get around Tunsil. Obviously, Tunsil's one of the best tackles in the game, but the Saints have a good enough defense, I think, to take down the the Patriots if they're playing. Uh, they got to play a perfect game. And you know, and that's a lot to ask, obviously, but it's doable. It, it it's a lot to ask, and you know what? Especially when you don't have the refs on your side either. When you're talking <laughs> about the Saints, exactly. You know, I don't think that other than like you, the Saints are maybe the only team. Maybe you know, I mean, yeah, like I said, if Chen's was on with us right now, Chen's is talking about the Rams and the Rams this, and of the course, Rams that, but. Honestly, the Rams won't beat the Patriots in another Super Bowl. And I would say that even if he's here. <laughs> say it to my face. You know, I got no problem saying that to his face. But the thing is, is that when you look at the complexity of the, of the NFL, yeah, the, every, it's, there's a parity and teams, you know, that you got some really bad teams, some average teams that could beat anybody and the really good echelon teams. And if you look at the league as a whole, there's the Patriots, 
there's a thousand pounds of shit, and then there's everybody else. Am I? Uh, I think I think the Chiefs Saints. I don't know if you throw the Bears in there or not. I think they're they're closer than you than you think. Like I said, and I've been we've been saying this for this whole segment. It's week one. There's a right. lot to be figured out. Way to circle back. That's way to tie it all together there. But everything everything we're saying here is all is all speculation. It's all talk. But you know, like Bill Parcell says, Bill Parcell said, if you're playing, you got to be playing meaningful games in November and December. Mm-hmm. And those are the games you got to be looking at, and those when they're that's that part of the year where they're playing. the The Patriots are playing the Eagles, and the Chiefs. Right. So, you know, we'll have to sit back and see and let the season unfold. But if, like I said, if I had to make a decision today, based on what I but I know and what I've seen, as much as it hurts me to say it too, because I hate. Boston, Massachusetts does not need another championship. <laughs> they went from they went from a, t- a a town that was championshipless, and in the last two decades they've had so many championships they don't know what to do with themselves. It's true. Um, but I can see number seven going up in the 2020-2021 season, and you know, I like I said, there's it's it's week one. It's week one. There's, yep. you know, football is a sport where an injury, one injury, no matter how small, can derail a season. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but we'll see. We'll definitely see how that goes. Um, I mean, it's the Patriots. You got to expect them to. They're the class of the NFL. They've been the class of the NFL for the last 20 years. Um, it's really hard to bet against them. It really is. It's true. You know, that's why you can't make any money off of them. No, and they pay out like shit when they do win, so it's not even worth it. Yeah. You got to put down $1,000 just to win (laughs) $1,000. But, but yeah, so let's transition. Let's move on from football. Um, it is September, so baseball playoffs are being figured out as we speak. Um, the American League wild card wild card is now down to three teams. Um, the National League wild card is down to three or four teams. It's closer than the American League, but it's a fun time of year, like we said last year. And uh, now with the whole Yelich injury and Baez injury that's happening here, I think that it really opens up the door in the National League. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. You know, as you look at it now, the standings uh, recording this Thursday night, you got the Cubs and, and the Braves sitting at 78-68 tied. And that's for the second spot. So well, how much poetic justice would it be if uh, they meet again as they did last year for that one-game playoff and, and the Cubs and the, the Brewers pack home this time rather than the Brewers and the Cubs to play that game? Yeah, I mean, I think that if – I would love to see – I don't think it's ever happened since they implemented the two wild-card teams where they had to play a, a, a play-in game to get into a wild-card. So Yeah, I, I think you're really, right on that. I would really like to see – a game 163 between the Braves and uh, the Braves, the Cubs and the Brewers. But mm-hmm. the question is, is, is that, you know, going back to Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich is, an, is, is the reigning NL MVP. He hit 40 something home runs. He was hitting 330, And now you lose that bat. So my question is, is can the Braves, can the Braves, I keep doing that. 
Can the Brewers... <laughs> Love the Braves. Braves on the ball. You want to know why? Because instead of watching the, the Buccaneers and the Panthers, you know, I'm watching the Phillies and the Braves game. That's why. <laughs> um, but it's... Are the Brewers able to make up for the loss of a Christian Yelich? Right. It's, the... it's going to be tough, and, and you're going to need guys to step up when it matters most. And who's going to be that guy? You, you got Moustakis there. He's a veteran. He's won a World Series. He can probably be a locker room guy to get them all rallied together. Uh, um, it, they're, they've been very hot, too. You can see they've won a lot of games lately. Um, you know, they beat up on the Marlins, but they did take three out of four against the Cubs earlier, and they did split with Houston uh, at the beginning of the month. So uh, they they probably are just going to have the, the same mentality as, as the Yankees or any other guy, team like last year with the Red Sox. Next man up, you know? Yeah. It's, an injury is going to happen, but they just got to plow through it. Yeah, and you know, and and I know, and we're not, we're not. I'm not going to get into it because I'm <laughs> not in the mood to get into this right now. But the Mets are two games out. The Mets are tonight hit six home runs in a game, broke a record, set a record for most home runs in a game. Um, they are one of the hottest teams in baseball as we speak, but we've seen this before. And the problem is, is that. Ooh, what a catch by Alcuna. Um, anyway, the you have teams like the Phillies who are right with them. You know, there's so many teams that they have need help from that they're not playing that they couldn't take care of business with in order to make a run and get to the wild card game. And, right. um, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. If you look at their schedule and you look at this, the schedule of the teams that they're chasing and – that they need to catch, you know, the Cubs are, are very good at home and they're about to start a 10 game homestand with starting with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And you need Pittsburgh and Cincinnati to show up and play spoiler. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, I said it two weeks ago and I'll say it again. The Mets are not making, the, are not making the playoffs. You know, I think it's a little too, I think it's a little too late, honestly. And yep. just to go on that run that they went on earlier in August and still not sit in a wild card spot. And now they're still going on this run and there's still two games out. You know, it's, it's tough. It's a tough hill to climb. And I don't have any confidence in the Mets at all. Cause they're the Mets. <laughs> I, I would love to see them as, as a Met sympathizer and fan, I guess you could say too. It would love, I would love to see both New York teams in the playoffs. Um, Subway Series would be great for the city, for for the everyone here. They do have to play the Dodgers at home. They got the three game stand at, at home coming up with them, and then they go on the road with Colorado, Cincinnati. They do have four against Miami at home, and then three in Atlanta to close the season. So, if they can, if they can take two or three from the Dodgers, teams slip up here and there, and then they find themselves winning four out of six of those away games, the last away games. Don't be surprised if you see some magic coming out of Queens because you could see that they handled the Marlins early when, when they first started going that run that you mentioned back. So, you know, the Mets, Mets saying you got to believe, you got to believe. But as, as many diehard Mets fans say, this is just going to be typical Mets where they suck you in, they, they give you hope, and then they're going to blow it in spectacular fashion. So I'll, uh, I'll be interested. I'll be tuning in whenever the Yankees are playing uh, or rather not playing. Or, and uh, it'll be good, good to see – you know, what, what they're doing over there. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. And it's funny you bring up what the the Mets have in front of them. The, you know, the 
the class of the National League is coming in for a weekend set. And the way the pitching is set up for the Dodgers, they're throwing Kershaw, Ryu, and Bueller at them. And Kershaw has been lights out all year. Ryu is, might be your Cy Young award winner. And Bueller is a young stud. And, you know, I don't know what the Met rotation is setting up for. Well, they got Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Wheeler. So it's, there's no slouches there for the Mets, too. I think that, that Saturday game is going to be one to watch for sure. Yeah, well, I think tomorrow night's definitely a game to watch uh, with Kershaw going. But, you know, I think that it's easy to it's easy to fall into the trap. Well, now with the whole drama with Syndergaard, that, you know, uh, Callaway will not give him his own personal catcher. Um, you know, Another idiotic freaking move. Did, did you see his justification about that? He no, admitted that he, he, it was, I, it drove me up a wall because it goes back to my earlier point that I made a couple months ago. We were discussing if, if he should be fired before the All-Star break. He admitted that he has a better ERA with Nitto as his catcher, right? But he has a better win-loss with Ramo. Buddy, win-loss isn't everything. He could get shelled for 10 runs. And the Mets win 11-10. But he got the win. You know, the How win, stupid is that? You know, the win. Oh, thank you, Rio Muto. That's fucking another strikeout on my friggin' fantasy game. <laughs> um, the, um, the problem is, is that, like you said, wins and losses don't matter anymore. You know, wins and losses aren't an important stat anymore. And you're going to pay the catcher that he has a better win-loss record against than a pay catcher he's at a lower ERA with. You know, it's kind of like when Randy Johnson was in New York and he threw better to... John Flaherty than Jorge Posada, and they threw Flaherty out there. Joe Girardi benched Jorge Posada when A.J. Burnett was pitching and played played Jose Molina. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you are going to be a playoff team and you want to get to the playoffs, you know, you're taking it a step too far when you're talking about Subway Series, you know. I'd say potential, potential. You know, know, but the thing is, is that you, you know, and and this is the thing, they're going to have to beat a Nationals team in their own ballpark and pay, play Scherzer, Corbin, or or Strasburg. You're going to see one of them. And yeah, I know they're going to start the Grom or Syndergaard or whatever. But I personally think Syndergaard is checked out. I think Syndergaard's had enough. I think Syndergaard wants out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Syndergaard is not a Met by the start of next year. I I disagree. I think he loves being here in New York. He loves New York, and. He felt even at the trade deadline with all these rumors that he was getting forced out and he really didn't want to leave. I, I don't see a reason for him to be leaving. He saw Degrom get paid. He know that they're they're willing to pay their their pitchers who were producing for them. He just got to produce more. And I think Callaway is any part smart. He will go to Nitto as his all time catcher because you give up that bat and as well as Ronalds has been hitting. You know he won that twenty six game hitting streak. You need to have a personal pitcher. It doesn't matter who you play. What is going to be best for your team? One batter or five, six, seven innings? It's easy math, but apparently Callaway can't do easy math. You know, like Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and the whole situation is, is that do I, anything can happen. You know, like I said to you, you and Jens in the group me earlier this week when the Yankees blew that 6 nothing lead and ended up losing to the Tigers. <laughs> um, you know, that was the perfect, that's baseball Susan game I've ever yep. seen. Right. It's baseball. Anybody can beat anybody. Baseball is probably one of the one of the only sports that anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you watch the basketball playoffs, the first couple of rounds, you know, who's going to win that series. You rarely yeah. ever you rarely, rarely ever see an upset hockey. 
Hockey, you see upsets. An eight seed can beat a one seed. You know, it happened last year. The Columbus Blue Jackets knocking out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, football, there. you know, toss-ups in, in the playoffs. But with baseball, you never know. You know, a team, a Yankee team who's got nine, with a 97-win Yankee team lost to a 45-win Tiger team, which they had a 6 nothing lead. Right. You never know. You never know. And like I said, and I will. St- I've been saying it from the from, from the first run they went on, and I'll say it again. I don't think they're making the. I don't think it. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to get to the wild card. I think they're going to come up just short. Um, I think next year is more of a chance for them to make noise. Um, you know, it's it shows you that yeah, games in April and May aren't important, but. When you're losing to teams and getting swept by Miami in the first half of the season, those games matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why the Yankees lost the division by eight games last year was because they couldn't beat Baltimore. And what did they do this year against Baltimore? They won the last 16 games against Baltimore. Yep. They completely ran. That's why they have an eight-game lead in the division because of how they played against Baltimore. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, personally, I think it's going to be. Um, I'm actually going to go out on a whim here. I think I think that actually no, I'm not going to go out of him. I think it's too crazy to say. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say I think maybe I think the Phillies have a better shot of getting jumping these teams than. Um, no way. I think the Phillies have a decent shot. I do. That's I, that's taking that, that's that's showing your Met bias right there. I have a Met bias. I of course have a Met bias. I, I will. I will. No, admit that it's it's showing down. real. It's showing real real well right now. Well, you know what it is too. I know that some of the people that listen to the show are Met fans. I just want to twist the knife a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a Skip Bayless take where you don't know if you truly believe it, but you just want to get the uh, uproar from the audience. Exactly. Exactly. Do I personally think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs? Hell no. But, <laughs> but you're going to say they're going to have a better shot than the Mets. Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really think that when it's all said and done, I think the Cubs will get through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think they're going to take care of business on this, on this final homestand. Um, you know, now talking about the Brewers and Yelich, El Mongo, Javier Baez is out with, a, with torn ligaments in his thumb. They said he could be back for the playoffs, but you got to get there. Right. And, you know, the thing about the Cubs is that they're a terrible, terrible road team, terrible road team. Um, I think they, up until recently, they haven't won a road series since May. Um, you know, they're under 500 on the road. They're a great home team. Uh, but you know they don't have the thing about the the thing about the the Cubs is that they're they're an American League lineup in a national in the National League, mm-hmm. um, and they don't have that one stud. You know, Lester Lester is lights out in September, but you know who's their who's their ace? I'm taking Lester in that one game playoff. I I think if they if they go to Washington for that one game playoff. With Lester on the hill, I like their chances. You know, I like Lester. I think you know, but like I said, with the Mets, you know, you're going to Washington facing a Scherzer, a Corbin, or or Strasburg, and I'm on this show saying that Washington can make a run, and I think that they're the scariest team outside of the Dodgers with the pitching that they have, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a five game series if they can get through the wild card. Um, you know, looking at the playoff picture now and looking at how the National League is setting up, you know, you're going to have the Cardinals and Braves playing against each other, and you have the Dodgers playing the wild card team. If I'm the Dodgers, I want anybody but the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the thing that 
sets the Nationals up so well is that even if they throw they throw Scherzer in that wild card game, Strasburg or Corbin's your game one starter. Right. So, you know, you're not really losing anything. You know, a lot of these, you know, the, this national team has got one of the best start, top three in the game, you know, but we'll see what happens with the National League. There's a lot of baseball left to play. Um, there's, what, 15 games to go? Something like that around there, yeah. So, you know, you'll you'll find out who's who are contenders and who are pretenders by the end of next week. Um, I think that, personally, I think the Brewers will fall off. I don't think they'll be able to, to, to make up for the, for the, the bat of missing of Yelich. I think that, you know, they could use the emotion of losing him and carrying that emotion of losing him and nobody believing that they could do it without him to a playoff berth. But like I said, I, the Cubs are too good at Wrigley. And when you have a Pittsburgh team and a Cincinnati team who have nothing left to play for coming in, you know, they're going to take at least four games out of those six, at least. And that's what I think. I think the National League, I think the Cubs are going to come out. I think so. Yeah, you I know? mean, it, it's, I, I like the Cubs in, in the one-game wildcard, like I said. Uh, you know, if they don't even make it there with, you know, either A, getting uptaken by the Brewers, just having you know the better record or whatnot. But I like their chances. They're battle-tested. They've won, the, you know, they're only a couple years removed from that World Series win, and a lot of that core is still intact. So it's, it's tough to pick against them. That's an absolute bomb by Alcuna. That oh, kid how many more does he have to, to get to the 40-40? Uh, one more. He just hit his 39th. Okay, and he's what, like two more stolen bases or something like that? Yeah, kid's a stud. Kid's yeah. an absolute, he's an absolute stud. Um, but now that the, the National League is covered, let's, let's jump over to the American League playoff race. Um, the Tampa Bay Double Rays, or the Tampa Bay Rays, are quietly one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Quietly. Um, they've overtaken home field advantage in the wild card. Um, the... Oakland A's and the Cleveland Indians are, are fighting right now. And, you know, Oakland is, is showing its worth by actually getting to Verlander in, tonight and beating beating Houston right now three games, three nothing. Uh, actually, no. 3-1, 3-1. So, you know, we have to see how this goes too. This, this is something that, you know, we're talking about one-game playoffs. Mm-hmm. This could be another situation where – you know, if Cleveland can win a couple of games, um, and Cleveland's going on a little run of their own. Cleveland's on a four-game winning streak. They're a half game out. Um, if the scores hold the way they do, um, Oakland uh, will be a game a game up on Cleveland, and they'll be tied with Tampa Bay for home field. Right. Um, you know, I know Chens was saying this the other day that, you know, do you want do you want the one seed? Do the do do the Yankees want the one seed? And obviously the answer is yes. There's no way right. around. There's no way around that. But um, I can see this this wild card in the American League can go either way. It can go either way. You don't. It, it's so close. At the every team is when it within a half a game of each other. Yeah. So it's su- super jam tight, just like the NL. Uh, Tampa Bay is losing tonight, so if they drop that, they'll lose temporary, I guess, uh, the home field or based on percentage points probably. Um, you got the three teams playing for that wild card playing really good baseball these days. You know, they're the three hottest teams in the AL, and, you know, they're, they're scrapping it. They're treating every game like a playoff game, which is which is great to see, and it's certainly going to come down to uh, who's going to be able to take these, these last couple games. And, and the schedule-wise, I'm not really sure 
who has the, the easier schedule of the three teams. But it looks like uh, quickly right now the, the Rays got the Angels, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and Toronto. So really a mixed bag there. And uh, Oakland, who do they got? Texas, Kansas City, Texas, the Angels, and Seattle. That's favorable for them. And Cleveland's got – there's no chance they win the division. Minnesota, Detroit, Philly, the White Sox, and the Nationals. So they, they're, and they're playing teams in the Phillies and the Nationals that are playing for the playoffs. So I think of the three teams, you got to say that the, the Rays probably have the easiest – or the, the, the A's probably have the easiest uh, path of getting there. They do. And, you know, especially if they could take two out of three from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, which they're on their way to doing as we speak, you know. And the thing is, is that the Yankees, if the Yankees get the one seed, and right now if the scores hold, they'll be two games up on on Houston for the best record in the American League. And, you know, the thing is, is that do if the Yankees go into – I think the Yankees go to Tampa. I think that those games are at the trot. You know, what happens? You know, do the Yankees – the Yankees can effectively knock Tampa Bay out of the wild card if they sweep them. And you know what? I think that the best record in, in baseball and in the American League is going to come down to the last couple of games anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only a two-game set. I think it's yeah, a quick set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is a 22, a Tuesday, Wednesday night, back-to-back. So, you know, the Yankees are going to have a say in that. You know, um, honestly, out of the three teams, I don't want to play Oakland. I don't want to go out to the West Coast, but, you know, the Yankees beat them at home. They took two out of three at home. They came back on them twice. They got to Hendricks. Um, But, you know, with the way that this is setting up is I'd rather have Houston and Minnesota beat up on each other in the first round. And, you know, maybe Minnesota can pull an upset because, you know, Minnesota, as much as they're flying under the radar, they're a pretty damn good team. Right. And they can hit the ball, too. And You know, they, you know, they have this, the third best offense in baseball right now. And, you know, Nelson Cruz is not slowing down anytime soon. You know, you have Rosario, you have um, Jake Cave, you have these guys that um, in the Twins that, you know, I think can possibly pull an upset on Houston. But plus, even even if it doesn't happen that way, you don't want to go to Houston for six and seven. You know, no. that's and that's what I was trying to tell Chens last year, uh, last week, is that I don't care about Oakland, you know, because honestly, do you think Homer Bailey's going to shut you down in a playoff game? You know, and not I don't like Homer end. Bailey. Homer Bailey freaking killed them the past couple times. Yeah. There's some pitchers. There's some pitchers, though, that the Yankees can't hit. He's one of them. You know, but here's the thing. You know, ev- everybody's worried about the Yankees starting pitching. Uh, Severino's coming back next week. Mm-hmm. Um. Paxton is pitching like an ace. Right. Uh, Hap is pitching really, really well. Uh, he had like a 21 or 20 game, 20 inning uh, scoreless streak going on. Um, you know, the Yankee starters have been really good lately. And, you know, they can pitch too. And, you know what? They got a better bullpen than any team that's going to go to the playoffs. Um, they have a better bullpen than Houston. They have a better bullpen than Minnesota. They have a better bullpen than, than Oakland. And you know what? As much as people say Tampa Bay's pitching is so good, the Yankees have owned Tampa Bay all year. Um, you know, I just think that the way that everything, you know, it's too, it's, it's so hard to talk about because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we'll have a better gauge next time we sit down next week when we record episode 23. Right. Uh, they can make a decision on, you know, how things are going to line up and who you're going to play. Because also, you got to think of it this way, too. If you play Oakland in the first round, you're not going to see their top guy because they're going to be pitching in the wild card game. So you're not going to see. I don't even know who their true ace is. Um, Fires, you know, like Matt Fires. You're really afraid of Matt Fires. You know, a guy that throws 89 miles an hour and has a slow hook. You're really worried about that? I, I don't think. I don't think. As a Yankee fan, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, and I'm not. Tw- I'm not twisting any knives. <laughs> as a Yankee, as a Yankee fan, I mean, it's an absolute disgrace if the Yankees don't get to the World Series this year. But I am not going to lose sleep over who's in the wild card and who wins that wild card game. You know, even if the Yankees do it in five games, it don't matter. I'm not afraid. I don't think anybody could beat the Yankees in a five-game series coming out of that wild card. Either way, I'm just going to be happy as a Yankee fan to not be playing in that game finally. Yes, that too. I think this is the first time we've won the division since 2012. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's also a nice, a nice, uh, a nice relief for sure. But, well, is, this is the be- one of the best times of the year. And, you know, people playing meaningful games in September is, is what you want. And, you know, I mean, would it be nice if, you know, like in other years that the wild cards were decided, um, you know, with two weeks to go so you can kind of plan? Of course. But you know what? In a way, it's kind of good because then the Yankees can't get complacent. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. You know, and plus the fact the Yankees have their own shit to worry about. Sanchez is going back to New York for an MRI on his groin. Um, Encarnacion's got a, a oblique strain. And... Hap has bicep tendonitis. So we'll have to see what happens. You know, the Yankees are getting healthier, but also getting more hurt at the same time. Well, it's crazy. In one out. Yeah, exactly. One guy comes back, somebody else goes down, you know, but we'll see what happens. But another sport, let's transition here. Cause I think, you know, we, we're, we're beating a dead horse when it comes to baseball now, now at this point, um, training camp for hockey opens up this week. So, you know, we were talking about it and, you know, our hockey expert is in Ireland. So, you know, he can't <laughs> give, give us his, his, uh, his input. But um, what do you think is the most exciting storyline going into the 2019-2020 hockey season? For me is can the Maple Leafs put it together this year? I think a lot of people give them the benefit of the doubt. Tavares comes in last year, new environment. You have the uncertainty with Nylander. Fine. They have, they have one year in the belt. They lose in seven to the Bruins. They get smacked again. Can they finally get over that hump? Can they get Marner signed? And in my opinion, if they can do that, they have a, a legit shot of winning the Cup. As all the pressure they have, being in the big big market, original six, I think they can get over that if this team is a year, young, a year older now. They're not the fresh out of the drafts that they normally have. I think that they can definitely uh, do it this year. It'll be interesting to see if they can. Um, you know, one of the most ex- things for me is especially is that the fact is that Marner's not signed yet and Braden Point's not signed yet. And some of these high profile restricted free agents aren't signed yet going into um, training camp. The NHLPA has until um, the 15th, so three days from now, uh, to either reopen up the CBA or sit with it for another three years. Um, you know, 
I think that the fact that all these players are starting to hold out, there's going to be a change in the contract structures going into the next CBA. But I really don't see, with the TV money coming next year from the new TV deal they're going to have, I can't see the PA um, reopening the CBA. Um, I think that the, 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 the PA will, be, will bite the bullet with the contracts for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, they'll try to get that figured out with their restricted free agents. But um, it's just crazy to see that some of these top players are not signed yet. And the one thing that is driving me crazy is that the NHL is on the rise. You know, you, you have a team in Las Vegas that's sticking. You're expanding to Seattle. Um, and you can't tell me that you can't have a, a salary cap that touches $90 million. Well, it all depends on, on the Canadian dollar as well. Because when that's the value, when it when it's not doing as well, they can't raise the cap as much. And it also, too, if the prices in oil for Canada are, are down as well, that that hurts the overall thing. It's not as simple as the revenue with it, these American sports, such as you know basketball or or baseball or football, where they really don't have to worry about as many markets in, in Canada. Fortunately, with hockey, they have the most there with what six six markets in Canada. So it's uh, it definitely plays a bigger part than than baseball and basketball. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand that. You know, what's funny is one of um, my girlfriend's uh, brother went to Montreal for a bachelor party and we were actually looking up the exchange rates and, you know, it's a dollar thirty. So yeah. so right now, yep. an American dollar is worth a dollar thirty in Looney. That's um, awesome. That's great. Which, when I when which, we go there, too, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, I know. You give you, you know, you you, um, you give somebody you exchange 60 bucks and you walk away with 100. It's awesome. But. You know, especially when Chen's and I went up there a couple of years ago, I think it was even worse. I think it was like almost a two dollars. Um, so we were getting really good bang for our buck up there. But um, with the NHL, you know, I actually think, and I know, like I said, we, we always try to get away from the bias and stay away from our teams. But I think this is the truth: is that one of the biggest mysteries going into the season is what will the Rangers, New York Rangers, be this year? Um, bringing in the top free agent drafting Kako, bringing Kratzoff over and trading for Fox and trading for Truba. They've done, they've had one of the biggest, most busiest off seasons in recent memory. And what are they going to be? Are they going to be a bottom feeder in the Eastern conference? Are they going to compete for a playoff spot? Is this youth going to come out of nowhere and are they going to play over their heads? And what is Hank going to be? Um, you know, and plus you have a second year coach. So I honestly feel like another exciting storyline is the New York Rangers. And that's good for hockey too. Right. Another, you know? like I said, another original six team. It's going to be a big market playing on, on uh, national television a lot. They released that schedules a couple of weeks ago. So they, they'll be marketable again. They'll be a team that's exciting to watch, hopefully. But like you said, there are a lot of question marks for all these, these potential ceilings that there could be a lot of floors too with their uh seasons of of how they're going to be i think they'll be you know i mentioned before competing for one of those last wild card spots uh it's too early to ask for a lot of these young guys to step up and and play to the potential that they're capable of but it'll be fun to to see and, and make sure that they're growing the right way yeah i think so too and i think that this ranger team like you said it's going to be very exciting to watch but they're also going to be very frustrating as well um, they're going to be nights where they completely dominate and they're going to be nights that they get dominated. Um, but let's, I know it's early and training camp hasn't started yet and there's some uncertainty, but let's do an early prediction here. 
Who's your Eastern Conference uh, finalist? I think they finally do it for having the best team for two years in a row and, and falling short. It'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. Coming out of so the you East. Have, you, and who do you have coming out of the West? And out of the West, I would love to see give one more shot, San Jose. Jumbo okay. Joe gets another shot. Hopefully he can do it this time. Uh, I don't care if the Lightning win anymore at this point because the picks are moot. So I'll say San Jose over Tampa Bay in six. In six, okay. So you're actually giving games now. Too. Of course, yeah. You know, if we go this early, might go all out. All right. No, no so, measures. All right. So my, I think that my my Eastern Conference champion is actually going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. Um, and I think coming out of the Western Conference, and actually that would be the first Canadian team to play in the Cup in a really long time. Um. I think since Edmonton in two in two thousand and six. No, 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 the Canucks. Oh, the Canucks in two thousand eleven. Yeah. Against the Bruins, and I'm going to take a flyer here. I think that the Blues are going to make it back. Ooh, all right. And but I think I think it's going to be Maple Leafs in seven. Bringing the cup back to Canada since ninety first time since, since ninety three. Yep. So I'm going to say the Maple Leafs in seven over the Blues. We'll see. We can go back to this episode. And see how right or wrong we were. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, Washington, Washington's going to contend. Pittsburgh's always going to be there. You got Tampa Bay. You have Boston. Um, in the Western Conference, you have the, the Sharks. You have the Golden Knights and, and, and the Predators. But I think the, the, the Blues got something going on now. I think the Blues are, are the real deal. I don't think they were just a one-year one year run team. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, and they, they were – Built to to compete, you know they they had a team that was bottom feeders for a while, and then they they came up, and we all know the run they made last year. So it'd be fun to see. Yes, for sure. I actually really I'm really excited for uh, the, the hockey season coming up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun as a Ranger fan and just as a general hockey fan. Definitely. But um, but so that's that's the hockey talk. You know, nice and quick. You know, short and have, sweet. Uh, short and sweet. That's the way we like it. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have we don't have Chen's taking this off the rails, um, <laughs> talking about Spartacus. Um, I will never let him live that down. I was going to say Spartacus hasn't been brought up for quite some time, but could always go back to it. Old trusty Spartacus. Oh, exactly. You know what? I think that's going to be our opening line for this episode when he starts talking about Spartacus. I don't know where. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about let's transition now. Let's talk about tennis. Um, uh, getting taking care of business the other night. Uh, beating, Rafa. beating a very, very worthy opponent uh, who I think will be around for a long time. Uh, five sets, um, you know, going down to the wire. But uh, this is your thing, so I'll let you <laughs> – I will let you take take it from here. Right. Okay, well, I think we – we do the Thursday, right? So we, we hadn't seen the uh, semifinal match. So uh, Medvedev took care of Dimitrov uh, in straight sets. And at the night session, uh, it was Nadal versus Berrettini, the Spanish versus the Italian. And uh, Berrettini actually had a chance to win the first set. He was a point away from the tiebreaker from taking it. But uh, after Nadal kind of broke it, he broke his spirit and uh, he ended up rolling 6-4 and 6-1. So uh, the final ended up shoot, shaping up to be, you know, Nadal, the, the best player in the tournament so far. And Medvedev, uh, who many people are saying could be, you know, the next greatest thing for for tennis the next star not even greatest the next star i'll say 
And I remember I, I was watching uh, the second set, and, and the doll was cruising. He'd won tiebreaker in the first set. He he'd won six three, and I was like, okay, you know, it's, he's just gonna be Rafa being Rafa. And he was Rafa being Rafa because it was similar to what he'd been playing since against Schwartzman and even Berrettini, where he was just very inconsistent in the third and fourth set, you know, dropping them. And I remember turning on, I'm saying, I saw a tweet, I'm like, surely this match is over. And the US Open must be tweeting something else. I'm like, maybe that breaks. And I thought I, I was behind. And I saw, I was like, holy, uh, Nadal, Nadal was still battling and fighting. But uh, he came back in the fifth set, one six four, and uh, to the delight of the crowd. And, and it, was, it was actually a cool moment to see also. Uh, the crowd kind of warming up to Medvedev after uh, they had that their little tussle earlier in the tournament. So uh, all's well that ends well. Medvedev was was gracious and he was uh, actually had a couple of funny jokes in there too. But overall, it was, it was a really good match. Nadal was deserved champion. And uh, on the women's side, uh, you know the the talk's going to be is Serena losing it because it's it's yet another loss uh, in her career in, in the final. And it's it's been a pattern. She hasn't won. Uh, since her first tournament back after having uh, her child. So, you know, she's getting up there in age, but she's still dominant. And uh, it, it's just kind of puzzling to see when you have the greatest tennis player of all time, uh, in my opinion, and, and she's just not being able to, to finish these finals out. You know, she had the meltdown last year against Osaka in the final. And uh, it's just interesting that the Canadian, uh, credit to her, you know, she took Bianca took it to Serena and then brought the uh, championship up to Canada. So... Uh, it's something to watch for. You know, this uh, this is the last Grand Slam for for the year, so we'll see how she bounces back uh, in the later tournaments, and and then the Australian Open once the the New Year time comes around. So um, I don't know if you met, saw any of these matches, but uh, it's just a, another good uh, event, successfully U.S. Open, great tennis all around, and I think uh, you know I'll miss it, but it'll be back soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I got into it at the end. You know, I watched the Federer match, the one that you know got. But the one that you know ended his tournament, I watched. Mm-hmm. I watched the final. Um, I didn't watch any of the any of the women. I'll be honest. Um, but you know, with Serena, what you've told me about Serena, um, you know, I think what Serena is is that maybe she's not. She's running out of gas. I mean, maybe she's not as uh, physically in shape as she is because, as it sounds like, she's dominant in the beginning of the tournament and it just fizzles out at the end. Everything is happening in the semifinal or the final, so maybe she needs to work on her conditioning. Right. Maybe. I think also too the she's been facing a lot of distractions uh, off the court uh, after losses, especially where she's not the the best loser. I mean, I don't know too many people that are, but it seems like also too when when she loses, it's a lot more polarizing and it's a lot more uh, commotion. I'll say um, when it when it comes to her losses and how the media cover it. Well, yeah, like you said, she is. One of the greatest tennis players to ever play. So every little no, no, thing no. I happens, said I said the greatest. I'll say men or women, she is the greatest. It's not even up for debate, in my opinion. So then, with that being said, you know everything that's good, everything that doesn't go the way it should, it's going to get heavily scrutinized and questioned. And right, you know that's what you get for being the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. You know it would ha- it happened with Jeter, it happened with Jordan, it happened with Gretzky, it happens with all these superstars that are at the pinnacle of their sport. And then they start to get older and they start to not have the results that they're used to seeing. And then that goes for everybody, you know. I love, um, how, you, I love how you you slipped in that Jeter with the greatest of all time talks there with uh, Jordan Gretzky. Not, not well, showing the, the bias there at all. No, well, you know what? He's the captain. And he is one of, <laughs> he, he is one of the touch, touchdown bucks, by the way. 
My boy Godwin. Um, he's one of the um, greatest shortstops ever to play the game. And you know mm. what? When he wasn't his, himself at the back end of his career, you know, people started questioning him. I mean, Brian Cashman said, you know, we don't need you. You know, I mean, when they were uh, talking about his last contract, right. you know, it just goes to show you that father time always wins. And Tom Brady eventually will slow down. But, you know, with Serena, maybe father time is catching up to her. Um, you know, maybe she has maybe one or two more good tournaments left in her where she wins. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, but like you said, it was a successful open um, the post game, the post game ceremony, the post championship ceremony was was done right. Um, Medvedev mm-hmm. was was a good was a you know a good loser, I guess you can say. Um, and you know he was cracking jokes, and he's going to be around to stay. The little bit that I've seen of him, he's he's long, he's lanky, and I think that he's um, he's the next one up once Federer walks away, which right. I think I think is in the near future. Um, like you said, he he just turned what thirty eight, so he right. might have a year or two left in him. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's I think it's time for us to get into our fan questions. All right. Um. So let's start with let's start with the first one. Um. Do you think that U.S. basketball is in a downfall? And this comes from Frank. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a downfall. Uh, it's tough to, you know, the FIBA tournament that, that's happening for people that don't know or knew about it. It's a tournament that's going on right now. Uh, the U.S. was sending, in my opinion, a D squad because you didn't have any of the stars that no Curry, no LeBron, obviously no KD, no Kawhi, none of the stars. The, the, the bigger stars, it was the Celtics pretty much, you know, that was – the, the talk, it was Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz, uh, J- Jason Tatum. A lot of these guys that are solid players are, are, are really good players, but they're not the best that the U.S. has to offer. Granted, we do have Greg Popovich as the manager or the coach, but as much as it doesn't matter, you shouldn't lose these games. We're the USA. We, this is our sport. We shouldn't be losing them, and it's a big deal when, when we do lose them. So I will say, I think since the last time that the USA lost, this goes back to the 2004 Olympics when they lost. Our, um, it's going to be different to, to talk about then and now because I think the world has caught up, not necessarily to the same level, but to where it's the dream team walkovers. It's not the 2008 uh, redeem team when they were just walking over everyone. A lot of these countries are bringing solid players that are playing in the NBA as well now too. You don't got these no names that are playing in Europe. These guys are getting beautiful minutes in the NBA. And it's time to take them more seriously while also judging it with a grain of salt because our stars aren't there. So I think it is twofold. I think we got to be cognizant of what's going on, but we also have to realize that it's not our best. Well, yeah. And I, like you said, you know, I think that we sent our lesser squad, our Wee squad over there. Um, you know, this team is coming off of, you know, winning 58 straight games and having lost two games in God knows how long, especially in a row. Um, the, the game against France you know, they gave the game away. And at that point they were checked. So checked out, you know, did you really expect them to show up against Serbia? I mean, I think that it's, um, I think it'll be a wake up call to the other stars to say, Hey, listen, like we have a reputation upheld and you'll see Kyrie, you'll see these guys come back and play for team USA. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I don't think it's on a downfall for sure. I think that other countries have gotten better, but I don't think the United States has felt fallen to the crowd. I think people have just caught up. Right. Um, you know, you have NBA players coming from other countries now where there was a time where maybe there was one NBA player for one team. Now you have multiple, you know. I mean, the Fran- who I mean, who's the best player on the French team? Is Nilakina? I mean, that's I mean, he played like the best player. He 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 played he played phenomenal. I mean, he he was the reason why France was able to turn around and pull out the win. Uh, a lot of people, you know, obviously, I didn't watch the game. It was way too early in the morning, um, but a lot of people were saying he was the difference maker, and and he was never going to be the guy. You know, a lot of Knicks fans are like, oh, Neil Aquino, of course, you know, he's never going to be a star, but he's going to be a solid player. That's going to be important to the team, and he showed that against USA. Well, yeah, and you know, but. We'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, to answer the question, no, I don't think that the United States is on a downfall. I think people are catching up. And the sport is growing globally. Um, and the NBA has something to do with that. Right. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, countries like France, China, um, and some of these other countries that are coming out of nowhere are really a byproduct of the global reach that the NBA does have. Yeah, um, it's definitely like even when when my cousins in Italy, they love the NBA and it's it's not a great time for them to be watching. It's you know three o'clock in the morning, but they're they're either staying up or, or waking up early to to watch these games and and they'll name all the stars too. They they see it and you know the Italian team's pretty solid as it is, but it's like you said, it's a global game. It's it's getting recognition and of all the major sports in America, basketball does it the best when it comes to social media. They let anyone post whatever. They don't go for copyright infringement they don't try and take everything down because you know what it is it's spreading the game it's spreading awareness it's getting people to talk about it and that's exactly what they want and the greatest exactly. when it comes to that exactly you know and i think i think you know if one sport needs to learn how to market their players it's the nhl needs to learn a little bit from the nba how to do that but that's a, that's another conversation for another day um so that was a good question um question number two comes from tony um do away with their preseason now we touched on this uh, when we were talking about football um, earlier in the show and how these NFL stars aren't playing in these games. You know, Barkley didn't see any any preseason snaps. Um, Aaron Rodgers didn't see a preseason snap. You know, these teams nowadays are scrimmaging each other in full pads at practice. So now do you do away with the preseason? Do you shorten it or do you lengthen the regular season? Because you're not going to take away the, the, the money and the revenue that the preseason games do make, even though it's not as much as a regular season game, they're still bringing in money. You're not going to, the players would never agree to extending the season. You know, if you're taking out two games and putting two more regular season games, because they want to get paid rightfully. So uh, I do think that you could probably go down from four to three games, but at that same token, you got your starters playing, you know, at least one of those games. Not necessarily the whole game, but you're getting at least one half in one of those games. Uh, you could you could play your guys that you're going to cut third string or second string in the third game. I got to tell you, that second game's got to be very important, the most important. Uh, it will limit the injuries uh, that happened in the preseason. Like, you know, I did mention that earlier. But I understand that players don't necessarily want to be playing in it. Uh, but it is important. Uh, as much as the scrimmages do help, nothing can really simulate being in a stadium, getting ready, getting yourself prepared for the whole game process, like doing a preseason game. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think you should do a, away with it a hundred percent. And like you said, 
these players, if you add regular season games, they've already thrown that idea out to making an 18-game schedule instead of 16 games, and it was a big thing. And, you know, I think that I would, I would say cut it in half. Instead of four, I would say two games. Have two regular season games. Have the team scrimmage themselves at practice. You know, I think the biggest thing they need to do is have more, have more practices and pads. Um, you know, I think that would help sharpen the game up a little bit. Um, you know, the NFL is, all, is known as the no fun league for a reason. And, you know, they have so many restrictions on practices and stuff like that, that it's hurting the product on the field. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was doing my fantasy football research uh, going into this game tonight. And a lot of people said, stay away from some of these players because it's a short week. And yeah, it's week two, but it's also a short week. And some of these guys haven't done that preseason snaps, expect sloppy football. Um, you know, I think that it's... And that's where you get 10-9 ten, ten, nine, ten, scored half, as it is. Exactly. You know, you get a, a 10-9 game at half. It's a close game, but it's a boring 10-9. You know, I don't want to see three field goals. You know, do I, you know, I like a defensive struggle. You know, I'm a pitcher for God's sake. I like, I like a one nothing. I love a one nothing baseball game, but you know, at the same time, it really comes down to the fact that you got the NFL needs to see what will benefit their product. And if cutting down the preseason games from, 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 from four to two or two, three, I think that that would benefit the product on the field. I think it'll benefit the players. And, you know, I don't think you could put a restriction on them um, forcing their stars to play. But at the same time, I think that it's important for these players to get preseason snaps because it just shows you can't mimic game speed of practice. And if you talk to anybody, any athlete, you know, and baseball is one of the biggest is one of the best examples. You have a guy who gets hurt in spring training it takes him a month of regular season games to get to where he should have been at the start of the season. If you had a full spring training, mm-hmm. um, you know, these guys need reps, you know, these guys are spending more time in the gym than they are in the cage or doing other stuff. That's, that's relevant to their sport. You know, all, all off season, all I saw was pictures of Luke Voigt with no shirt on lifting up weights. Like, gotta get swole. I don't want to see that, you know, you guys do that get swole, but at the same time, you can be as big as you want. And if you can't hit a baseball, it doesn't matter how big you are. You know, I will never, def- I will never defend the steroid era because that's cheating. But Barry Bonds said something that was really, that's right about steroids in baseball. It's, and I don't know how we, how we got on, on this side, side tangent, but I was going to say, yeah, but my point is, is that Barry Bonds said, you could take as many steroids as you want. Steroids don't enhance your hand-eye coordination. So with that being said is, yeah, all these guys are in tip-top shape. You know, Aaron Donald, the house. Um, no, Condominium. The, that's, that's all called you know, that that's, previous I, episode. I called, I called it the, called it yeah, the condominium. Exactly. Um, you know, you could be as big as you want, but if you're not working on technique, if you're not working on football-related activities, it doesn't matter how big you are, you know? I mean, look at Brock Lesnar, for God's sake. He tries to become an NFL player. It didn't work, and he was, a, he was big, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, still is, and he still is. I mean, look at The Rock. The Rock was a, was a played at Miami for God's sake. Uh, Terry Crews. You know, these guys that are big guys that couldn't make it in football because they weren't good football players, even though they were big. You know, they make their money on the silver screen now. They're not making their money on the gridiron. But yeah, 
But going back to the original question, if you're going to do anything through the preseason, shorten it. Shorten it to three or two games. And I think in order to, to get these players to play, you got to show them that, you know, you got to put it in front of them and say, listen, you're not playing in these preseason games or hurting our product in the regular season when the games actually matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and you need to play. Like I said, you can't restrict teams from playing players. They can do whatever they want with their personnel. But I think at the, at the end of the day, you need to be able to get those reps in a game to, um, to be successful on the field. So you don't have a 10-9 game week two on a Thursday night. So yep. that's my opinion. But is there anything else you would like to add to this question? Or you no, think we've, I, it's significant. Because then we might end up talking about soccer somehow when, when we talk about the preseason football. Yeah. So last episode, um, there was a little bit of a, a talk between uh, an MFK question about presidents. <laughs> so with no, 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 don't say that. It was perfect. Like maybe we should try to do MFK and someone not mentioning names suggested presidents. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy. But, you know, I think that since Chen's is deciding to go off to Ireland, I think it would be it's fitting to do this MFK right now without him. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to do an MFK on booze. So we've decided we're going to do an MFK on Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light. And if I had my choice, I'd kill all of them. But, um, <laughs> it's very un-American of you to say that. But, well, actually, no, that's not true. There's one beer here I would, uh, if I had to drink, I would. But, and I guess I'm marrying that one. But you know, the, <laughs> other two, the other two is like drinking water. You know, listen, we're older now. We're mature. You have a kid on the way. I don't forget my roots. I never forget where I came from. So I'll always appreciate the cheap beers. You know, I guess you could be mature in one sense and I could be mature in another (laughs) sense. You know know what the message of this episode is? Never grow up. Um, Exactly. So so we're going to MFK some Bud Light, some Coors Light and some Miller Light right now. So do you want to do one at a time? Or do you no, you go, just... you go first, and I'll go. I'll go mine. Okay. Okay. So, um, do I have to do MFK in yeah, that in order? That order. Or... In that order. Okay. Yep. Um, Coors Light, Miller Light, Bud Light. Marrying the Coors Light. Marrying the Coors Light, fucking the Miller Light, killing the Bud Light. Damn. I guess the uh, NFL commercials fall on deaf ears for you, huh? Um, that's a really soft spot for me because I really do like those commercials. Exactly. But... But exactly, yeah. court, when I think of the Coors Light, I think of the Stanley Cup, which is the best trophy to win. So, oh, of course. There it is. Bang. So there's the connection. There it is. Uh, um, even, me, though all three, even though all three beers is like drinking water. No. But that's no. besides the point. There's definitely there's a no difference. There's, there's, there's taste. There's different tastes. But it's not as much taste as a regular beer you'd have. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I know we've probably mentioned this a couple times, Chen's and I. I'm marrying... Miller Lite, because back in the day, we used to drink Miller Lights and eat wings for playoff games. So, that's that to this day, I always drink the Miller Lights. When I go to Texas, that's all Miller Lite down there. So, it's Miller Lite I'm marrying. I'm fucking the Bud Light. It's easy. It's quick. <laughs> it's a good time. And uh, it's very accessible. And you know what? You'll always see it at a party. No matter what kind of party it is, you'll see Bud Lights at, at a, a basement party or... Even if you go into a Vegas bar, you'll, you're paying $10 for a Bud Light, but you'll get a Bud Light there. And I'm killing Coors Light because 
it tastes like absolute shit. It doesn't even taste like water. For some reason, there's a taste of Coors Light I can't stand. So, you know, it's that. it's funny. It's funny you say that because like even like I'm gonna make a, a, a transition here to like water. Like Nestle water used to taste like garbage. I don't know what we, <laughs> I don't know what what it was. You know, but like I'm a Poland Spring guy. Always drinking Poland oh, yeah. Spring. But you know, there's a taste. There's a taste. Everybody, it's an acquired taste. That's what I remember when I first started drinking beer, and I was like, "Oh, this shit's gross." My dad would say, "You know," because I was like 18 at the time. My dad would be like, "You know, beer is an acquired taste. You don't drink it for the taste. You drink it for the effect." <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I I remember drinking beers like, "Why do people drink this?" You know, right? Going around around college, I was like, "Oh, it's terrible." And then by the time you leave college, it's it's a whole different story. Yeah, it's like it's like you're one you're you're one with the force. You're one with the beer. You know, Star Wars yeah, reference. Exactly. But, you know, I, I'm more of a liquor guy. Anyway, I'd rather drink, you know, scotch on the rocks. I'd rather drink mm-hmm. uh, my vodka club, my vodka soda, you know, stuff like that. Uh, they go down easier. Plus, just right. something you could sip. You know, I, I was never yep. a good shotgunner or a chugger. <laughs> there you go. So, liquor, liquor's uh, a little more sophisticated and, and uh, keep you in check a little more. No, like I said, I'll be when it comes to drinking, I'll be the more mature one. When it comes to passing judgment, you're the more mature one. So you know, <laughs> there's a there's a there's an even line there. But um, but that's our fan questions. Um, three three good questions. You know, I think Chen's is gonna fly off the handle a little bit. But you know, <laughs> we don't we don't need any uh, Spartacus talk or YouTube poop talk. So <laughs> I think this two go tos there. The actual I think this episode will actually be on time. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, that's, um, is there anything else you would like to add before we get out of here? Just enjoy football. It's back on all fronts. I know we haven't touched on it yet. We might get into a little, uh, next week. College football is back on Saturdays. You got NFL on Thursday nights and Sunday nights, Monday night too. It's great to be a football fan and sports fan in general. As I always say, it's always good to be a fan. It's all, yeah, it's always, you know, and just to add to that, you know, this is a very exciting time of the year. Like you said, football starting, hockey starting, baseball is winding down and get, getting into its into its playoffs. There's a chill in the air, and you know it's exciting. It really mm-hmm. is exciting. Um, even though I'm half asleep right now because I have to wake up at five in the morning, I'm still excited. Um, but with that being said, I'm Puma, coming from the other side of the telephone. I got Matt calling off location. We will see you next week. Chenz will be back next week. If he doesn't decide to quit after us bashing him all episode, <laughs> but we know Chen's will be back. He can't get enough of us. We love you, Chen. We love you. We it, it comes from a good place, Chen's. Yes. You know, just don't text, just don't podcast and text anymore. That's all yeah. I ask. That's it's all really, I ask. It's really it's it's a one game suspension. It's a one podcast suspension. We really don't want to say Chen's not really in Ireland. We suspended him for that that mistake last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. We we sent we sent him to the farm for a week. Yeah. Is what we did. <laughs> is what we did. Hopefully he get doesn't come parking. back. Where, Hopefully he doesn't come back with purple hair and he's uh, he's supporting pe- things we don't need him supporting. But that's besides go. the point. That's besides the point. But but yeah, so episode 23 will be out next week. Look for it. And I'm Puma. Matt, great to have you as always. And we will see you next week. Catch you later.